Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for September 29th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Hope you're doing fantastic. And I hope you're turning to God, family, and country for solutions. That is where the answers lie, my fellow Americans. A quick recap of yesterday's show. We uh, talked about Senator Rand Paul. And he's really telling you the truth about this. Gun owners of America jumping aboard as well. Biden intends to sign U.N. small arms treaty. That's right. So they want a gun registration global database. Biden backs it. Biden wants to sign the U.N. small arms treaty. The question is, will the Senate back Joe in this quest? We pray not. Rand Paul raising the alarm. This is serious business, folks. You don't want a global gun registry. If you want to talk about violating the sovereignty of the United States, in my humble opinion, that takes the cake. We also talked about top doc pull COVID-19 vaccine now. Pull the COVID-19 vaccines off the market now. Who am I talking about? Joseph, or I'm sorry, it's Peter McCullough. He presents evidence behind his controversial stance. WND.com with the article. Dr. Peter McCullough, who has become a leading critic of the experimental COVID-19 vaccines, explained in a thorough, nearly 90-minute presentation why he believes the vaccines should be pulled from the market. All right? This is serious. Now, you can disagree with that top doc if you want to, Peter McCullough. Uh, But understand that Peter McCullough is a well-known Baylor University uh, physician doctor. He's been around for a long time. He's been printed in over 600 peer-reviewed journals. I mean, the guy is incredible. But if you don't think that Dr. Peter McCullough is enough, understand that there was a global health summit on COVID. And at the end of the summit, over 4,000 doctors signed a shocking shocking declaration claiming that it's crimes against humanity. That's right. Thousands of physicians condemn policymakers. Art more with this article, WND.com. So now you got more than 4,000 doctors saying, look, the healthcare industry is being shanghaied by policymakers in governments around the world and that governments around the world are committing crimes against humanity these 4000 plus worldwide physicians say dr robert malone by the way the inventor 
of the mRNA vaccine technology also is among them. <clears throat> and they had a declaration released publicly worldwide at the Rome conference. He contends the COVID-19 vaccines should not be used universally, but that they should be specially given to those who are in the most vulnerable. Why? Because as the known and unknown risks of the vaccines outweigh the potential benefits. So let me say this again. Dr. Robert Malone, the guy that developed the mRNA technology, says, hey, you know what? We shouldn't be giving these vaccines to everyone. There's known and unknown risks, and they are greater than the benefits we get from vaccinating everybody. Why? Because you have a 99.5 plus percent survival rate without vaccines. And when there's so many unknown possible problems with the vaccines, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever years down the road, we shouldn't be giving the vaccines to everybody, he clearly says. So now I've just given you two doctors, Dr. Peter McCullough, and then this other doctor, <clears throat> who basically say, you know what, we shouldn't be doing this. One doctor says, get rid of the vaccines, take them off the market, they're not even safe or effective. The other doctor says, you know what, let's have very limited use of these vaccines, they're not safe and effective. Those two physicians, named by name, in addition to 4,000 plus physicians in Rome, released this press release. If that's not enough for you, Dr. Pierre Corey testified in Congress that ivermectin is effectively a miracle drug against COVID-19. And he called upon the government's medical authorities, the NIH, the CDC, the, what are the other government agencies, <laughs> and the FDA to urgently review the latest data and then issue guidelines for physicians, nurse practitioners, and physician assistants to prescribe ivermectin for COVID-19 treatment. So now I've given you three doctors, many of them testifying before Congress, backed by these 4,000 physicians. All right, you can say what you want and say you believe a certain side of this debate if you want. You're pro-vaccine, you're anti-vaccine, you're pro-mask, you're anti-mask, you're pro-ivermectin, you're against ivermectin, whatever. But what you can't do is argue against the three named doctors I just gave you, backed by 4,000-plus doctors saying globally governments and policymakers are committing crimes against humanity. Unnecessary death everywhere. Vaccines have known and unknown, did you hear that? Known and unknown side effects and problems that are not worth the risk, even the maker of the current vaccine technology being used stating this claim so you can say that i'm off my rocker you can say that i can i'm a conspiracy theorist you can say that i don't know what i'm talking about but i'm in pretty good company ladies and gentlemen the likes of which fauci and and biden who have been lying to you routinely and getting caught in their lies that's the other side of the debate which side do you want to go down on the doctors that are saying wait a minute listen our creed is to first do no harm Therefore, we don't know some of the side effects of some of these things. We don't recommend the risks. Do you want to be on that side of the debate of caution, scientific reality? Or do you want to be on the side of, ah, throw caution to the wind, vaccinate everybody, even though we don't know the side effects down the road, there's unknown side effects. Don't worry, the pandemic, the panic justifies it all. Which side of the discussion do you want to be on 
down the road. Go to the virus database and you'll find untold harm, injury, and death from the vaccines even to date, ladies and gentlemen. Now listen to this. Here's how belligerent policymakers are. New York new governor, Kathy Hodgel, I think is how you say her name. Anyway, she's whacked out. She appoints herself as God's messenger, ladies and gentlemen. She says Christians who are unvaccinated, they're not listening to God. I mean, I don't mean to be rude, but who is this whacked out lady? I'm so serious. Christians who are not vaccinated are not listening to God. Well, I appreciate her prophetess status, but I think she's a false prophetess. It's my humble opinion. That's my two cents to which I'm entitled. It looks like The View co-hosts. Oh, I don't know if you know what The View is, but it's a TV show with whacked out liberal women on it, right? Feminazi women that are just crazy as all get out. Anyway, they argue and debate about some of the most goofy things on the planet. Everything that I stand for, they're against, etc. Well, anyway, I guess they all did a COVID test because they were going to interview <clears throat> Kamala Harris. To my hum- In my humble opinion, communist Kamala Harris, vice president question about elections but that's another topic uh, anyway they were going to interview her on the view right <clears throat> so they all had to get the coco test to make sure everybody was cool so they got the covid test and they busted out as positive and they freaked and melted down and well then it turned out that it was a false positive that's right the view hosts i don't know if they lack finances or what maybe they couldn't get the right technology in there but they had false positive covid tests they didn't actually have covid ahead of the canceled kamala interview uh, it was a false positive. So here's my question for your government. If the view hosts very rich, very elite people and everything else, what are we, 20 plus months into the Coco pandemic or whatever it is, right? If you can't even have a positive, reliable test for them, it was a false positive, then how many, let me ask this question, how many, of the tests that everyone has taken are false positives. In the United States right now, your government, according to the coronavirus update maps and charts, cases and deaths, all this kind of stuff put together by NPR and these universities, it's supposed to be the official account, okay? They say 42,900,000, so 43 million people have tested positive for the COVID. How many of those are false tests? If the view had false tests, how many of those <clears throat> tests that were positive were false and never got caught that are in the 43 million? They say that there's 688,000 people that have died. How many of those deaths have been attributed to the COVID but aren't really COVID deaths? Huh? Anyway, very interesting. All right, the FBI had informants at Capitol Riot. We'll talk about that. Are they informants or government provocateurs, I might ask? You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, nationally syndicated global reach radio talk show. Hey, Mom, Dad, Mark here. Wow, 
I love college. Really? I never knew living on my own could be so uh, good for me. Uh. To take your message, press 7. So, here I am at college. It's cool. Well, of course, it's only been a week. To take your message. Hey, it's me. I was just remembering that time I hit my first home run. You know, through the garage window. Thanks for not being mad. No. To check. Hi. Boy, I miss you guys. I miss my room. I miss waking up to warm socks straight from the dryer. Warm socks? Family. Isn't it about time? Hi, it's Mark. Um, love you guys. Uh, I'll call you later. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? As a physician, I have looked into the eyes of one-pound babies. I have cradled their small bodies in the palm of one hand. I defy those who are careless, who would disregard life and look at these tiny little miracles and say, we're not going to protect that. But I believe there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. All right, so back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. The mainstream press ain't talking about this much because the liberals and the professional do-gooders and the extremists on the communist socialist side of the discussions, they don't want to really talk about this. But here's the deal. FBI had informants, even the New York Times, writing an article admitting this reality check from the court case papers and more, that uh, there were informants in the Capitol riot crowd tied to the, quote, Proud Boys. The Proud Boys were infiltrated. And he denies the attack was planned, <clears throat> but it also raises questions. It also raises questions about what the FBI's role. <laughs> the FBI and law enforcement had in the situation, right? If they had informants there, they were getting real-time updates of what was going on exactly as it was unfolding. Then there's a couple of things that you really got to start to ask. Number one, why wasn't there a quicker response if the FBI had real intel inside, on the ground, real-time stuff? Were they getting accurate information from their informants or their provocateurs? Were their provocateurs informants or were they provocateurs to ratchet things up? And if they had real-time information, why did it take so long for the Capitol Police to get kind of back up and deal with this stuff? Why weren't they ready? If they had an inside group of people informants or provocateurs, whatever you want to call them, <clears throat> how come they didn't, one, know that it was going to go down and have a lot better police and FBI response in the first place, number one? Were their informants not very good? Did they not give them real intel? Did they give them dishonest or manipulated intel? Was, was the FBI betrayed? Or was this more of a setup, and what was the reality check of the provocateur agents? And what was the FBI slash Capitol Police slash who knows what? Um, what was their involvement? Because if they had inside intel that was real-time, then they should know that it was not planned in advance. 
Hold on. If it was planned in advance, they knew that it was planned in advance. Prove it in court. But if you've got informants and provocateurs and you knew that it was not planned in advance, did you do anything to escalate the situation or did you de-escalate? What did your informants do in the field at the time on scene? Were they escalating? Were they letting people into the Capitol? Were they encouraging the crowd or were they discouraging and stopping and say, wait a minute, you know what? Don't go in there. It's not wise. What were the agents in communication with these, quote, informants doing with the real-time data? There's a lot of questions to be answered, ladies and gentlemen. And when they say there's 14,000 hours of unreleased video that the government will not release at this point, you got to really wonder who's who in this. All right. Anyway, that was the first hour of Liberty Roundtable Live yesterday. Thanks for your patience. It's available online now on demand at libertyroundtable.com or lovingliberty.net. Spread the word. Tell your neighbor it's free radio to catch you up on some of the greatest news the networks refuse to use happenings right now. Second hour of the broadcast on Tuesday, we always jump onto Brighty on TV to participate in the Sheriff Mack show. And then what we do is we simulcast the Sheriff Mack show on Brighty on TV, Richard Mack being the host, I'm the co-host of the broadcast, um, and we simulcast that TV on the radio, and then we leave the archives at Brighty on TV because you want the video archives, right? Anyway, second hour video archives of yesterday's show are at Brighty on TV. That's B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N dot TV, Brighty on dot TV. Go to the archives and look for the Sheriff Mack show. And you'll be able to check that out. But here's some of the things we discussed on the second hour of that, by the way. We had Brighty on TV guest, Clay Clark. And if you don't know who Clay Clark is, man, this guy's a prolific businessman. He's the founder of a, what do you want to call it, business coaching show called ThriveTimeShow.com, a big talk show. And he's involved in the TimeToFreeAmerica.com rallies with General Flynn. Yeah, so who is Clay Clark? Well, he works with General Flynn to have these rallies, Time to Free America rallies across the country. Anyway, we had on Clay Clark, and you say, well, who is Clay? He's the father of five children. He's the organizer and MC, as well as the host of the General Flynn Reawaken America Tours. He's also a current member of the Forbes Business Coach Council. Uh, he's done a lot of things in business. He has a business school that he says cut out all the BS. Uh, pretty cool stuff. So we talked about that with Clay. Clay Clark on Pride on TV. The Sheriff Mack Show simulcast second hour with Liberty Roundtable Live. We also talked about this case where this pastor, Arter Pulowski, I think is how you say his name. Uh, he's a Canadian pastor, and he's facing six years in prison. Why? For sharing the gospel and having church, folks. Wow. It makes you want to cry, doesn't it? In Canada, Christians being shut down we had that happen in america too ladies and gentlemen but it was short-lived in america people are going back to church that's great but you've still got in my opinion religious persecution not of the muslims not of the jews only the christians and you got to really ask yourself hmm, why 
Well, I've been telling you for years they're coming for the Christians, folks. That's their real goal. They don't hate white people, and they're not really. They're just using race as a divisionary tactic. Their goal is to divide and conquer and destroy everything good and honest and moral and right. But in the end, they don't really care about the family. They don't care about white people or the race division or any of those discussions. What they really want to do is come for Christ. They did so back in the day, and they literally hung him on a cross. And they're literally doing that to the followers of Christians, those who claim to be disciples of Christ or followers of Jesus Christ. They're doing that to the saints of God now. And it is really an epic battle that started in heaven when they kicked Satan out of heaven. The son of the morning got cast down. Uh, that battle, biblically speaking, in heaven continues on the earth today. And the battle between good and evil. And they're coming for the Christians. Of course, we don't need to fear because we know if you're on God's side, you win in the end. We get all that. But it's still a brutal battle. It still strikes at the very heart of Christianity. At the very heart of God-ordained marriages. At the very heart of welcoming children to the earth. What do they call that? And heritage from the Lord. The welcoming of blessed children. The procreated power that has been given only to husband and wife or male and female. Should be defined as husband and wife. All right, all that on the battlefield. And our prayers are for this pastor, Arter Pulowski, Canadian pastor for holding church. Uh, we pray that he does not get six years in jail. Anyway, as far as we understand, he got arrested at the border uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, I think it was. Anyway, our prayers are with him. All right, they say the federal government may shut down this week, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> And then they say, here's how that could affect you. You think the government's going to shut down this week, ladies and gentlemen? I will say this. It doesn't matter if the government shuts down this week or not. I can't tell you if they're going to shut down the government or if they're not. It all depends on if the Democrats and the Republicans are going to dig in and have a, quote, partisan divide and waste all of our time, right? Here's what I can tell you from experience of past government I don't know what you want to call it. Some of them shut downs and some of them bring it to the brink of meltdown and save the day, which they always do as well, right? It doesn't matter because whoever shuts down the government over time will eventually capitulate. <clears throat> they won't gain much ground. They will have lost a lot of political capital and uh, the continuing debate will rage. Oh, the Republicans shut down the government. Shame on them. Look at the damage they've done. And eventually they'll be forced to capitulate, losing so much capit or so much political capital it's not even funny and then at the end of the day the government will reopen again that's number one so it doesn't matter if they shut down the government or not number two they always keep what are called quote essential services open whatever essential services means right half the things they claim are essential are flat out unconstitutional ladies and gentlemen let's be clear about that reality check as well shall we okay the fact is essential versus non-essential has nothing to do with constitutional versus unconstitutional it has everything to do with which buddies they want to keep open and nine times out of ten what they do is they keep open the things that relate to government bureaucrats and inside swamp stuff and the things that relate to you and me get shut down to make it very difficult for us that's how they always do it right the insiders protect themselves and leave the rest of us hung out to dry the great unwashed of the American people who pay the majority of the taxes, they're the ones that get the day-to-day -day shaft when governments are closed. 
Okay, so so let's be very clear about what it means to shut down the government. It doesn't mean the government's really shut down. They'll still spend you into oblivion, right? Yes, they will. They'll, they'll still spend you into oblivion while the government supposedly shut down. I got more to say about this and a whole lot of other topics in mere seconds. But quickly, a short pause for the bottom of the hour news, and then I'm right back with hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use right here on Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Top Pentagon officials took a grilling Tuesday over the Biden administration's handling of the deadly U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley, and U.S. Central Command Head General Frank McKenzie fielded questions from the Senate Armed Services Committee. Testimony contradicts President Biden's claim he knew nothing about keeping troops in country to keep the Taliban at bay. As a result, U.S. military personnel were killed and 10 Afghan civilians, including seven children, perished when the Pentagon, in retaliation, struck a car with a drone missile. Illinois officials are reporting an Illinois man lost his life this month in the state's first human case of rabies since 1954. The Lake County man in his 80s awoke in mid-August to find a bat on his neck. The bat was captured and tested positive for rabies, but when health officials told the man he needed to start post-exposure rabies treatment, he declined. USA Radio News. Remember when California was the golden state? Not anymore. Soaring crime, overregulation, and high taxes are forcing taxpayers to flee. Now, Newsmax's Rob Schmidt looks at what happened in his special series, California. It's over. Rob walks on the Reagan Ranch with Governor Kristi Noem, and he talks to the insiders and reports from Los Angeles. Find out why you need to be worried, because California's mess may soon be coming to your state. Watch Rob Schmidt on Newsmax at 10 p.m. Eastern. Newsmax is on every major cable system. Just check your cable guide. If your cable system doesn't carry Newsmax, call your operator or switch to a service that does. Get Newsmax on most streaming services like Samsung, Roku, Pluto, or Zumo. Or download the free Newsmax app on your smartphone. It takes just seconds, and you can watch us anytime, anywhere. California's nightmare is spreading. Watch Rob Schmidt on Newsmax tonight. A U.S.-bound charter plane carrying over 100 Afghan evacuees, including Americans, was being held Tuesday at a United Arab Emirates airport after its landing rights were revoked. Project Dynamo's Brian Stern says the flight departed Kabul airport and got held up for over 14 hours at Abu Dhabi airport with 117 people on board. That includes 59 children. Stern said the plan was to transfer the passengers to another plane destined for JFK International Airport in Queens, New York. That's when things went south. U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency switched their clearance to Dulles International Airport outside Washington and then revoked landing rights anywhere in the United States. The Department of Homeland Security has not responded to reporters' questions. Authorities in Spain's Canary Islands off the African coast on Wednesday told residents on the western coast of La Palma to seal doors and windows with tape and wet towels to ward off toxic gases spewed by lava from Cumbre Vija. The volcano has been active for 10 days. USA Radio News. 
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So they say federal government may shut down this week. It doesn't matter if it does or doesn't. They play games with essential services to the point where, hey, they'll fund anything they want to, and you and I will be the sufferers. They'll basically shut down things that relate to, like, national parks and anything to do with your entertainment or travel or historical tours or whatever. They'll shut down anything that affects you and I, the great unwashed in our lives. But anything to do with their paychecks, they'll keep it rolling. Trust you me. And so don't don't think for one second that this government shutdown means anything. They're going to lift the debt ceiling. You might have Republicans shut down the government temporarily, but they'll lose so much political capital it will be short-lived and then it'll be open again. If they really wanted to make a difference to reduce spending and not bump their heads against the debt ceiling, then what they'd do is they'd support Rand Paul's penny plan. Okay, Rand Paul wanted to just reduce spending by 1%, one penny out of every dollar, and Congress literally shut him down. They wouldn't do it. So you're telling me that these guys have the guts to shut down your government permanently over the debt ceiling, but they won't take a 1% pay cut across the board? You could have got rid of foreign aid and all kinds of things that wouldn't even hardly affected the American people and got a penny cut in a heartbeat. How much have you had to cut your budget since the coronavirus fiasco meltdown uh, trash the economy plan hit, huh? Every one of us has had to trim our budget, spend a little less, right? Well, Congress hasn't been able to even do the penny plan of Rand Paul. But yet you think they're going to shut down the government with, like, success? All I know is they'll lose too much political capital. They'll either at the last minute rescue and save the day. Or they will um, shut down the government, make you and I pay dearly, and then they'll reopen it, losing tons of political capital. But it won't mean anything in the end of the day. They're not reducing spending. Joe Biden wants to throw out a $3.5 trillion spending package. In fact, if you ask Pete Sepp, the National Taxpayers Union, NTU.org, our good friend that joins us monthly on the radio and has done so for almost 25 years, he'll tell you that their plan really, if you total it all up, it's closer to $9 trillion. They're not planning on saving any money. They're not planning on reducing the debt. They're not even planning to do anything to balance budgets or address the deficit problem. They're not doing any of those things, ladies and gentlemen. So this government shut down again. If they really, really, really wanted to, they would not debate the debt ceiling and have a debt ceiling deadline over and over and over. It's political theater is what it is. And otherwise, if they really wanted to cut the debt, cut the deficit or reduce the deficit, cut the debt, whatever, balance the budget, do all those things, they would simply look at a Rand Paul's penny spending plan uh, and they'd do a, a percent now. Later, they'd do another percent or 2%. Later, 2 3 maybe 5%. And they would start to get after it. And then eventually this debt ceiling debacle, this debt ceiling deadline, dishonest fiasco, wouldn't be an issue every single year or six months or whenever it comes up. But they always leave it to be like, right at Thanksgiving or right at Christmas or something like that. Oh, my goodness, the debt looms. The and, and they always just, they kick the ball or kick the can down the road a little bit, and then they pass it And when the focus isn't on them. and It's all games and mirrors and political dishonesty, ladies and gentlemen. All right, there you have it. So my question is, when the federal government shuts down this week, here's my question for you. 
Does it even matter? That's what I want to know. Does it even matter? It'll affect me in negative ways. Of course it will. That's what they always do. But it'll be short-lived. Does it even matter? Is it better just to blink and raise the debt ceiling? What is a debt ceiling if we just raise it all the time? Let me ask that again. What is a debt ceiling if we raise it all the time? It's not really a debt ceiling. Why don't you just create a piece of legislation that says whenever we're out of money because we spent too much, just increase the amount of money that we're allowed to spend. So the debt ceiling on perpetual raise, is that better than a debt ceiling on continual revisit and possible government shutdown over and over? Neither are good for the republic. Neither are good for our debt or our deficit or the reining in of any kind of spending, neither of them are good. It's just a matter of which crisis do you want to face? The crisis of not worrying about it and letting it continually go up? In other words, no debt ceiling at all? Or a debt ceiling that you have to basically force the other side of the aisle in a divisionary political divide based on partisan politics? Is it better to let it just melt down and force the other side to blink and when it goes wrong or if you shut down the government temporarily that you blame the other guy? And Is that the better plan? Or is it a better plan just to let the debt ceiling be non-existent and the debt just go up and up and up and up and up? The only real plan, ladies and gentlemen, is to reduce government spending to live within our means. That's the only real plan. You know that, and I know that. That's true for your own personal finances. It's true for your family finances. It's true for your small business or even large business finances. And it's especially true for government finances. Why is it especially true for government? Because government doesn't even generate any wealth. The only money government's got is the money they can fleece from the citizens domestically and or generate from international funds, whether it be through tariffs or taxes or whatever you want to call it. The government doesn't generate any wealth. Government just sucks on the teat of the wealth of everybody else, domestically or internationally, right? So this federal government may shut down this week. I find laughable. It's a waste of time. It's a constant train wreck discussion. It's a blame the other side of the aisle discussion. It's a who's going to be stupid enough to expend all their political capital on an issue and maybe pay for it at the next election. It's over. It's a waste of time. Does it even matter is my question. And the answer is no, it doesn't. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're passing mountains of debt. Eventually, somebody will pay the piper but you're passing mountains of increasing debt to the next generation, to our children, and then our children's children, and then our children's 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 whatever. And at some point, there will be a comeuppance. At some future day, there will be no more swig from the economic bottle of false prosperity. No more continuing to get drunk to stave off the pain. You're going to have to face the music and sober up, okay? At some point, the con game will be over, and those who own the debt, those who have us in financial slavery, will demand repayment. And when they do, it's going to be a gazillion times harder than a temporary government shutdown so that they can debate and blame the other side of the aisle. 
And it's going to be a gazillion times harder than taking fiscal responsibility now, as Rand Paul has begged us to do as a country, as a Congress, as a Senate, begged us to do the penny plan, which isn't enough by any means, but it's a start in the right direction. Right? All right, there you have it. Wow. Thousands of New York health care workers placed on, quote, unpaid leave, face firing over the vaccine mandate. Epic times at the peace. Thousands of nurses and other health care workers across New York State have lost their jobs or have been suspended. Why? Because they are refusing to comply with the government state's mandate to be vaccinated. And I can't tell if it's the state's mandate or if it's the federal government's mandate or if it's both. They say going into effect on September 27th, which is, you know, two days old now, listen to this. The mandate has led to staffing shortages. Although some of the largest hospital systems in the state say they're maintaining continuity of services. Wait a minute. I thought they told you they couldn't even maintain continuity of services because of the overwhelming number of COVID unvaccinated people rolling into the hospital sick as all get out and they couldn't handle it already. Now they're saying they could even dump a bunch of staff and they're still maintaining continuity of services. Well, that's interesting. Right? Don't the two conflict? Either you're overwhelmed by the unvaccinated COVID cases and you're melting down even with your current staff. But if you lay off a bunch of people, how do you have continuity of services? I don't get it. But that's what they're claiming, ladies and gentlemen. They say at September 27th, 92% of hospital employees in the state of New York have received at least one dose of the vaccine based on what's called preliminary self-reported data. Wow. I guess Kathy Hodgel, the New York governor, said, It's based on the self-reported data. That would leave tens of thousands of hospital workers slated for termination. Think about that. They're telling you that we're overwhelming the systems by the unvaccinated COVID cases, but now they're ready to let go of tens of thousands of hospital workers slated for termination. Nobody roundtable live. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Scott Bradley here. 
Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So we're talking about the Epic Times article. Thousands of New York health care workers placed on unpaid leave and risk being fired. That would leave tens of thousands of hospital workers slated for termination. Some health care providers have indicated that they're giving their employees some time to still get vaccinated and return to work. The mandate has already caused some disruptions in upstate New York. Um, Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester announced a two-week pause to some elective procedures. And they say patients can expect longer wait times for routine appointments. And some employees will be asked to take on new responsibilities. And they say temporary bed closures are possible. The University of Rochester, which runs the hospital, claimed. Knowing that emergency services and critical care will continue. Erie County Medical Professional, or um, I guess Erie County Medical Center in Buffalo suspended elective and inpatient surgeries and has stopped accepting intensive care patients from other hospitals as it prepares to fire hundreds of unvaccinated employees, spokesman Peter Cutler told uh, the uh, Times, I guess told Reuters News. Northwell Health, for example, the state's largest health care employer, has two dozen hospitals and 74,000 staff indicated that not all unvaccinated employees were given the immediate boot. The company notified all unvaccinated team members that they are no longer in compliance with New York State's mandate, spokesman Jason Mollett told the Epic Times. We have begun a process to exit all unvaccinated team members using a carefully balanced approach that both maintains continuity of care at all of our facilities and ensures the safety of all of our patients, he said in an email statement. He declined to clarify whether that means some unvaccinated employees are allowed to keep their jobs. Sorry, no update beyond my statement, he says. More than 91% of staff members at these hospitals, I guess the New York's safety net, 
are vaccinated. That still leaves more than 3,000 in this case unvaccinated. The system so far has not experienced interruptions of service, and they don't expect any. Wow. Now, I don't know how to respond to this. Because there's very few people unvaccinated. They give all these examples of employees, and they say, you know what, 91%, 92%, 95% have been vaccinated, etc. I think most of these people are just going to leave the healthcare industry. They say the loss of these employees who are presently suspended has not affected patient care or staff scheduling, Clark said via email. Wow. Anyway, everywhere you look, over 90% have been vaccinated. If they won't be vaccinated, they'll be fired. Think about this. What do you think? They're talking about putting in National Guard members who have medical training to replace health care workers if they have to declare a state of emergency, by the way. Providers, listen to this carefully to me, ladies and gentlemen. Providers can hire workers licensed in other states and countries. Yeah. So what they'll do if you don't go along is they'll hire military and they'll hire foreigners, illegal aliens. They'll just bring them all in to replace you, okay? Think about that for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. That is scary. Do you want foreigners, illegal aliens, trained in other countries? No offense, but who knows to what level of training? Are you comfortable with them just hiring them in place of those who won't get vaccinated in America? Do the foreigners have to be vaccinated? Understand one in five illegal aliens crossing the border now, illegally, I might add, and being embraced by the Biden administration One in five are sick with COVID and all kinds of other diseases. And they've just released thousands of them into the United States of America. So by the time you have thousands of illegal aliens released into America, and by the time you have foreigners treating your, they're talking about hiring foreigners from other countries for police work as well. They're literally decimating the United States workforce. By hook or by crook. And what I mean by that is it doesn't matter if you're a cop and you're, you're sick of being a cop because you're so abused by the media and by these renegade groups that are running amok in America, creating riots and, and all kinds of public disturbances and everything else uh, under the idea that they have the right to peacefully assemble or the right to protest as some like to dishonestly claim that it is. And the cops are sick of it, so they're leaving in droves because everybody's got the defund the cops movement and everybody hates cops and they're literally gendering this this division in America via the media. I back the blue, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not thinking that the police are perfect. There's bad apples that no doubt need to be stopped. There's laws that need to be changed to protect the people. No question. But to get rid of the cops and defund the police is insanity. Well, whether it's the defund the police movement or whether it's the forced vaccinations on health care workers movement, they're literally decimating sector after sector after sector of our society. You don't believe me? 
Well, back in 2008, it was destroy all the mortgage companies, all the title companies, everything that was related to the the uh, home loan market, everything related to finances, decimate all the banks. Now it's all the police workers, all the health care workers, all the medical professionals. What industries have I missed? What industries will be next? These are questions that you literally need to ask yourself, ladies and gentlemen. But when thousands of New York health care workers are placed on unpaid leave and face firing over vaccine mandate, here's what you got to know. We've been blaming Joe Biden, right? Listen to me carefully. Because Joe Biden created an executive order, never mind wrong branch of government to make law. He ought to be criminally charged for that and impeached. But I digress. They're saying this is a state law that if you don't get vaccinated, you're violating. Well, if it's a state law to force vaccines, you can have a state law to not force vaccines. The states are autonomous, ladies and gentlemen. There are dual sovereignties, according to Antonin Scalia in the Sheriff Richard Mack, Prince Mack versus U.S. or Bill Clinton. In that case, Antonin Scalia directly talks about the dual sovereignties and that the federal government has no authority to mandate the states do anything or carry out anything. Well, anyway, so all I'm telling you is that's just New York where they say literally tens of thousands of healthcare workers will be fired. How many will there be in 50 states across the country? I'm telling you, they're intentionally in the Great Reset in America. They're intentionally decimating business sector after business sector. The COVID literally gutted small business in America, ladies and gentlemen. The big businesses thrived, and the small businesses melted down. But again, they're going to affect every aspect of your life. That's their goal, to disrupt every aspect of your life. The latest headline says this regarding affecting every aspect of your life. USPS, that's the post office, right? USPS mail delivery is about to get permanently slower and temporarily more expensive. You feel good about that? The sad part about this, ladies and gentlemen, remember how I told you they're going to do everything that affects you directly? This is an example. Um, Believe it or not, the USPS or the United States Post Office is one entity that has constitutional authority. The USPS is not unconstitutional. Now, you might say some of the things that they're doing are unconstitutional. That's a different discussion, but this is where I'm saying. So you're going to have a permanent slowdown and temporarily more expensive. That's one of the very few things government should be doing. But that's what I'm talking about when I say what is an essential government service, right? The essential one, the constitutional one, well... Service is going to suffer, ladies and gentlemen. They say the Postal Service is also temporarily increasing prices for all commercial and retail domestic packages for the holiday season. Beginning October 3rd, they say Americans who are frustrated with the slow service of the U.S. Postal Service, well... You probably won't be thrilled to hear this, ladies and gentlemen. You think the slowdown with the start of COVID has been bad? 
Um, they say service is about to get even slower. Wow. Starting Friday, the USPS will implement new standards in, quote, service. For first-class mail and periodicals, Kim Frum, a spokeswoman from USPS, said in an email, um, the changes will mean increased time in transit for mail traveling long distances, such as from New York, for example, to California. Wow. Anyway, there you have it. It's all going to get slower. As you know, the USPS has had problems for years, but since the pandemic crisis, it's much worse. They say it'll be slower, but over time it'll be more reliable. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I bring this up primarily because of this. All right. I I have proposed for years that the post office is bleeding money and has been forever. And what they try to do to save money is or to increase money is have all these weird stamps, have all these weird things that they charge for, all these extra things they ought not be doing, etc. I think that the post office ought to go back to its very basic constitutional function to deliver correspondence timely and effectively. And I think that we ought to get rid of 90% of the junk mail that gets sent out. People don't want in their email boxes. And when it comes to email, you're not allowed to spam because of the spam can, or can spam act. Why can you spam in physical mail when it costs a lot of money? Right? So I say we just reduce mail to its core, core correspondence need. The post office trims itself to its constitutional function. And I think we ought to just start to get to where we're checking our mail only about once a week. Right now you got too much junk mail to do that, right? Anyway, they could make significant changes if they just would. But again, anything constitutional, they're not willing to pay attention to. They're too busy rewarding the swamp, the inside folks, with all kinds of benefits that you and I don't get. Meanwhile, anything that affects you and I, they're going to create problems with. That's just the way government works, folks. Protect the insiders and abuse the rest of us. We need to return to the proper role of constitutional government. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. This is the broadcast for September the 29th in the year of our Lord 2021. This is our two of two, and our goal always to promote God, family, and country and to protect life, liberty, and property on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. After all, it is the supreme law of the land, you know. And we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. We have an 
excellent guest for you today. Her name is Lindsay Neural, and she's a mother of six who has been homeschooling since 2004. Her interest in small business and entrepreneurship led to a freelance writing career that complements her own homeschooling style. Anyway, she created a book as well. We'll talk about that. Her website and book, homeschoolhacksbook.com. Lindsay, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, just a little update so you know who you're talking to. My name is Sam Bushman. I've got eight children. My wife and I, Julie, wow. homeschooled them for a long time. We now have them in private school. We, uh, when they get to high school age, you put them in private school, etc. Um, because then they can go ahead and um, transition to college a lot easier and stuff like that. But we've literally homeschooled for years, and we love the concept. I don't think there's any better schooling than a homeschool on the planet. So we're 1,000% supporters. But when I heard about homeschool hacks, I'm like, man, this is something I want to talk about. Great, yeah. Talk, let's talk about it. <laughs> so how did you decide to homeschool and get into it in the first place? You've been doing it for, what, 16 years now or more? Yeah, so from the very beginning, uh, my daughter, my eldest, just actually graduated college from a small liberal arts university, directly got a job as a copywriter right out of college, um, very well prepared, and we started from the beginning with her um, just because we felt uneasy about some of the options out there. We were moving, um, we were business owners with kind of non-traditional schedules, and we thought, let's just try this, and we kept trying it, we kept trying it, it kept working. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Well, the founding fathers, when they put together the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, you know, some of them were pretty hesitant, but they felt like it was the best chance for the proper role of limited government ever, so they went for it. It was a grand old experiment, proved successful, and it looks like right. homeschooling for you guys is the same, right? Yes, definitely. Now, tell me this. Was your husband as on board as you are? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, we both had gone to college. I did not finish. He has two degrees. Um, and he was really close to getting a teacher's degree, um, and he just he felt like there were a few things that didn't gel with the way he thought education should be. Um, he ended up working with adults with developmental disabilities instead, um, which was more fulfilling for him. But uh, we, we had some concerns. We couldn't see ourselves necessarily um, putting our kids in a system that seemed a little bit too rigid for what we were already seeing were some of the needs of our children. All right, now you're a working mother of six because you got a business, uh, you're a writer, uh, et cetera. Where are you in the journey? So your oldest daughter is graduated and already working. How, how young are your youngest? Uh, my baby is eight, um, and we have 11, 14, 16, and 18, all boys at home right now. Wow, so you've still got four or five that are right in the thick of it. Yes. <laughs> All right, tell me how you learned and developed your curriculum. Was it a lot of trial and error? Did you uh, look to people who already had curriculums in place? How did it unfold for you guys? Um, it was a lot of trial and error. It is still trial and error, uh, I would say, per child. You know, we have some basics that we really like um, for things like um, civics and history. And, well, you know, we're, we're a family of faith, so we like to incorporate that into our daily learning as well. Um, but, you know, as far as things like science or art, or music, sports, all those things are, uh, you know, customized to the kid. And we try a few new things every year and, and see if we like it. If we don't, it goes. We don't spend too much time or money on it. Um, and we found it really it, it works that way. You have a few staples that we stick with every year and then kind of try to mix it up. 
I find that interesting. Not only does it need to be customized to the child, but it needs to be customized to the circumstances of the parents, too. We tried to put five kids in soccer one time. Uh, I'm a totally blind person, so my wife is the only one that can drive. So she'd drop me off at a game. Uh, I'd be watching with one kid a game or whatever, and then she'd be at another game, and then she'd come back and pick me up, and we swore we'd never do that again. So We're there right now with speech and debate. Um, my kids, my eldest is a very big debater, I'm really into it. We brought the younger kids up into the speech aspect, and that's kind of our, our you know, tournaments and all the competitions. I didn't realize it was so involved, but, yeah, that, we're with you there. <laughs> Anyway, I only bring that up because every parent, when you homeschool, gets overwhelmed sometimes. Remember that the overwhelming part are temporary. The rewards are lasting forever. And I think that's kind of the takeaway for homeschoolers, that when they try the grand old experiment of homeschooling, uh, they realize that, you know what, the the rewards are so rich. And I think that's what kept you guys going, right? Yeah, and, you know, you kind of look for that validation, and you don't always get it. And homeschooling is one of those things kind of like running your own business or staying in your marriage, right, where you feel um, pressures from the outside world to maybe do things that aren't on course with what you know are right. Um, It's just another one of those parts of life that you say, no, this is what we've decided to do. This is what's best. And you have to just kind of look ahead and, and, and run the marathon, you know. All right. So catch me up then. You're homeschooling. You're overwhelmed and busy with six children. But then you decide, hey, you know what? I've got an interest in small business that continues. My interest in entrepreneurship continues. How did that lead to a freelance career? You know, well, it started actually, you know, with the 2008, those fun financial times, and my husband uh, lost his job, and I was kind of dabbling in writing magazines, some light hobby writing, I guess, and we just kind of pushed the pedal down and thought, what can we do for small businesses, for their copywriting, for their marketing? I was learning a lot at home with little babies, and I just, it, it clicked. So we just decided to build the business as we built the family, and each new challenge we came kind of came at the right time, and it's just like the kids, we didn't get them all at once, so the business grew little by little as well as the children, and it just seemed like it meshed really well for the way we like to live. All right, so help me understand. You got the business and you got the book. They're kind of two different enterprises in a way, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. The book was actually something that I started writing eight years ago, but there was no interest in working families who wanted to homeschool. It wasn't really a common theme, um, especially for the mom to, to be participating in a business. So now, with, I think with the pandemic, uh, people in are other, a In other words, you're open. saying traditionally what happens is dad goes to work, mom stays home and homeschools, and that's all been yes. upset is what you're saying. My husband and I, yeah, we do this together, so we would travel together, we'd take the babies with us together, I mean, this was just a joint endeavor, so because of the pandemic, we saw more families in our similar situation, and they were thinking, how how is this even done, and I was getting so many questions, so we decided it was the right time to try again with an updated version of what I tried to do eight years ago, and um, it's, it's seen good response. Now, when you say an updated version, though, so the book is released. The book is available now, homeschoolhacksbook.com. It's available now, right? Yes, it is. It's been available since June so, or May. I'm sorry. So, yeah, you can get it anywhere um, that you buy books in person or online. 
And when we say homeschool hacks, let's be very clear. It's a professional book, ladies and gentlemen, with real solutions. The term homeschool hacks kind of comes from uh, other ways of learning that really uh, is important, right? It's ways to do things that are effective, shortcuts and solutions and tried and true things that work and quickly get you where you want to go. Um, this play on words has real value in the workforce uh, in many entrepreneurial realms that maybe if you're not an entrepreneur, you don't quite get, right? Yeah, it's kind of following that whole disruptive disruption kind of concept that I'm sure we won't use those words in 20 years, but um, for now, they're the words. <laughs> well, or we might have a gazillion more disruptions and it'll become uh, so ubiquitous that even the non-entrepreneurial understands it, right? Sure, yeah. That's what we hope anyway. But these hacks, though, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to get this idea that it's anything illegal or these ideas that it's that it's something that's not really time-tested and true. We're really talking about homeschool solutions, homeschool answers um, that you've been looking for all in one book. Did your husband help write it? My husband didn't help write it, but I would say I learned so much from him over the years. Um, every idea I have, it. It's been something, you know, I'll give you an example. He read to the children for every night that we've been married with kids. He would call home from business trips and read to the children. Some of the best books they'll ever experience were read to by their father, and that developed this love of literature that I just I can't even imagine coming about um, in the typical throw a book down on a desk and tell the kid to read silently for an hour. Um, that was just an example of something that we found worked really well for us. But definitely, you know, my husband had some great ideas. I helped bring them together. I had my own ideas. He helped execute them. Just been a very good partnership. Yeah, that's why the Lord put male and female together, ladies and gentlemen, as husband and wife, because that's what it's all about. We are talking to Lindsay Neural. Her husband's name is Sam, and they've got a business together as entrepreneurs. All right. They've been homeschooling since 2004. Now they have a business based on entrepreneurship, a small business. Uh, that has launched her writing career and copywriting, etc. They're working together. They've got a book out called homeschoolhacksbook.com. She's a working mother of six, ladies and gentlemen, and that's kind of the new mantra that people are kind of realizing that, you know what, with the pandemic, with all the changes in society, believe it or not, some small businesses have melted down, but more and more small businesses are coming online every day. And not to make this too political, but the vaccine debate's only going to make it more so, where people are going to leave their careers and say, I'm going to go out on my own and start a small business. All right, we're talking about Lindsay has been a trusted source for families since 2008 as she's been working on her books and her entrepreneurial business. We'll talk more with Lindsay in seconds right here on Liberty Roundtable Live. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. 
Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest, Lindsay Neural. She's a mother of six. Her husband, Sam, and Lindsay have put together an incredible entrepreneurial business. She's written a book as well called homeschoolhacksbook.com. A working mother of six. Wow, she's got her hands full to say the least. She's been a trusted source for families since 2008. Now, this is interesting. Her book, Homeschool Hacks Book, or Homeschool Hacks, was published by Simon and Schuster, ladies and gentlemen, provide supports for parents that want to home educate, provide support for parents, uh, along with her advice, is incredible. She's a faith-filled mom, ladies and gentlemen, but she keeps her books faith neutral, um, just because, hey, there's a lot of people that may not believe exactly as she does. She still wants to help those folks as well, but her tips can be personalized, to your family's needs, ladies and gentlemen. How did you get Simon & Schuster, of all people, to publish for you, Lindsay? I got an agent. <laughs> I did it the, the traditional way, and, and actually they, you know, they realized, hey, we need to get a book out, and, and you, you've been doing this. And I, I couldn't have been, you know, had a better experience. They were very re- respectful, changed nothing of my content, just made it better. Um, I, the experience I had, I, I, I can't complain about it. It was exactly what I wanted. When you say made it better, you mean providing editorial support in terms of making things more clear and streamlined and that kind of stuff? Yeah, like this is a term only a homeschooler would know. Can you can you tell us what this is? Um, because it was being edited by people who didn't homeschool. So actually was was a really good partnership there. Well, hopefully some of them will decide to homeschool after reading the book, right? <laughs> you would think, yeah. All right. So tell me then some of the hacks. Give me an idea of the book. Is it a book that I read cover to cover? Is it a book that I use as reference material? Both? Tell me about it. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's made not to be a bunch of gobbledygook that you have to, like, sit down and, and take notes. A lot of people read through it in a weekend, real easy peasy, and then kind of go back and say, okay, this kind of spoke to me. But there are sections, um, you know, each chapter is kind of pointed at a different uh, personality or lifestyle. We have a military section. We have a section in there for people who are just temporarily homeschooling um, with no desire to do it full-time. Now, maybe we can convince them after they've done it for a while um, that it is good for a few years, but it's kind of put together in sections. So if you do need to flip to a page um, or even the frequently asked questions in the back, 
you know, we've tried to make it a, not a time suck for people who are already very busy. All right, give me an idea of some hacks. Uh, just give me an idea of a couple of things that kind of might change people's perspectives or, or vision about homeschooling. You know, a lot of times families who have their kids in regular school or whatever you want to say, uh, you know, they envision these homeschool kids that aren't very social, that are kind of goofy and backwards and, 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 and a mom that's like super collegiate um, educated, a dad that's a mathematician, a mom that's a literary scholar. And you know, those are the only people, right? But give me some hacks that kind of put it on the kitchen table for people to go, well, that might be me too. Well, you know, we interviewed a lot of families to kind of get a good balance as well as just my ideas. You know, where you do schools, at a kitchen table situation, is it an RV? You know, are you getting your kid an actual desk? Um, we talk about the difference between um, books on uh, e-format versus text, how some situations are really more appropriate for reading a physical book, um, for example, preparing for a test, versus some of the times an e-book is going to be just as appropriate. So we linked to some studies and some different things to kind of help you answer those questions, like am I robbing my kid if they don't have a big dusty tome of all the classics? Can we still get away with like a Kindle? Um, and then we talked about things like if a children has, you know, if children have learning disabilities and they're not really finding a pencil easy to use, um, sometimes pen has been shown to be a very great way for kids to learn to write, even do their math in pen, which is something I believe we were all taught not to do growing up. So there's a few things like that in there, as well as sample schedules. So if you think you need to teach for eight hours a day, we're not replicating public school. One to one and a half hours of formal school for very little children. High schoolers should be able to get all their academics done within four um, and then leave time for other things like art, music, sports, friends. All right, let's be very clear, ladies and gentlemen. You believe the government school does eight hours of education, but when you break down all their transitions between classes, when you break down all their recesses, when you break down all their uh, lunch periods and everything else, they're not getting more than that in either. That's the reality check, Lindsay. Oh, yes. Oh, I was there, I remember. <laughs> And not only that, they take off all summers. My kids graduate from the private school in three years, not four, because we don't waste our summers. So I've got six kids that have already graduated in three years, every one of them from high school, as we transition them to private school. Um, you know, everybody homeschools. If you don't homeschool, you don't teach your children to go to the bathroom properly. So potty training is homeschooling, just so people kind of get it. Uh, do you address the, the fact that some people homeschool full-time and some people part-time and some have blended kids, some are homeschooled and some aren't? Do, do you deal with those issues? Um, I do, to a point, the fact is it's very state-based what you can get access to. Um, you know, my state, it's dependent on the school district. They could tell you, no, you can't use any of our resources, and you just would have to deal with it. But I, I try to make it so that you can bring it all in-house, um, and you're not dependent on the school for even extracurriculars or special programs, because I think in today's time, um, it, we're get, getting forced to either be all in or be all out, it's very polarized. It's very, you have to choose what side. And it's unfortunate that children are kind of in the middle of that. So I'm trying to give parents options. So if they do say we can't do this anymore, um, it, they can take both feet out. All right. What about the idea that, you know, a lot of people are afraid of failure. Uh, and I don't believe most people will fail. Some people just don't believe they're up to the task. They believe I can't handle my kids all day, or they believe maybe I don't have the teaching skills. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not an educator or a teacher. Um, 
you know, but one of the things that mom and dads learn when they have love for their children, they end up, even when they don't know something, learning right alongside them. Do you deal with the possible failures and how to make sure that it's a success? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that that's the whole approach is kind of letting people know all the things that go through my mind still 15 years later. I look at others and wonder, are we doing enough? Um, and so I'm, I'm very honest about the fact that you're probably going to always have that doubt. Um, if you don't, I, you'd be the unicorn I've never met. But it, it's okay to I'm have I'm the unicorn. Bit. I don't have that doubt. My <laughs> wife did for a little bit, but I don't. And I'll tell you why. Because some of the greatest founding fathers and some of the greatest inventors, some of the smartest people in the world, historically speaking, were all educated with very few materials and no formal education. And when they can be successful over thousands of years, so can we. I don't disagree. And I think my kids have more confidence, which I think is really what's important. I grew up public school, so this is all very new. We're the only family in our community um, that homeschool currently in this small town. So we haven't seen a lot of ourselves reflected in the society around us. Um, and I know there are people coming from that same situation, maybe even hearing from an in-law that they're going to ruin their kids. So the, the idea is to kind of bolster that confidence and um, give them some actionable tips. Yeah, people think you're going to ruin your kids until they see your kids a few years later, and then they go, wow, I want a family right? like that. It, it happens, definitely. <laughs> All right, we're about out of time, but I want to cover a couple of more things. Can you stay with me after the break for just two or three minutes? Yeah, sure. So we'll let you go at about 35, 36 after. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Lindsay Neural. She's a mother of six. She wrote a book called Homeschool hacksbook.com homeschool hacks is the name of the book published by simon or simon and schuster and she's been a trusted source for families since 2008 that book is available now and one of the great resources that you ought to have on your bookshelf not only a great read over a weekend but a reference material is as you should need it and if people are questioning how successful you could be, that book will give you kind of a handle on the things that it takes to make it successful and jettisoning some of the uh, in my opinion, long-held beliefs that people may have that are incorrect, jettisoning those beliefs is the starting to an incredible experimental journey. I say experimental because you got to play with it a little bit to find out what works. Every circumstance, every child, every parent relationship is all different on how it works. The dynamics for every family are different, and these homeschool hacks can help you uh, you know, work through that in meaningful, productive, solution-oriented ways. The reason I want you to stay right after the pause is because I want to talk more about your business. So one is you've written this incredible book, uh, homeschoolhacksbook.com, but you've also started a business, you and your husband. Tell us a little bit more about your business and what it actually does. Um, well, we do content. So I started as a writer, realized that everything's moving online. Businesses are creating more content and more content, and the trend is not slowing down. Um, and so we realized I could work all day and all night and still not meet the demands um, of people wanting content. So we developed our team. Um. All right, hang tight. She gets it. She knows the breaks are coming, ladies and gentlemen. Lindsay, <laughs> hold on. When we come back, we'll talk Sorry. about content and how you guys produce content, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because it's true. It's not slowing down, and I don't see any signs of it ever slowing down. We're talking to Lindsay Neural, ladies and gentlemen. Her website, 
homeschoolhacksbook.com. Quick pause on your radio. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Top U.S. military leaders were questioned on Capitol Hill over their roles in the deadly Afghanistan withdrawal. On Tuesday, Republican Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. It seems to me that you put a high priority on making sure that you were favorably portrayed by the D.C. press score. You spent a lot of time doing that. Fair enough if that's your priority. But at the same time, we had a rapidly deteriorating, frankly, disastrous situation in Afghanistan, which resulted in the death of 13 soldiers, including one from my home state, hundreds of civilians, and hundreds of Americans left behind. And in my view, that mission can't be called a success in any way, shape, or form, logistical or otherwise. General, I think you should resign. Secretary Austin, I think you should resign. I think this mission was a catastrophe. I think there's no other way to say it, and there has to be accountability. I respectfully submit it should begin with you. The 8th Division world champion boxing legend Manny Pacquiao is officially retiring from the sport. Manny is also a Philippine senator. USA Radio News. This report is brought to you by IBM. Spain's Casha Bank will boost its digital capabilities with IBM Cloud for Financial Services and onboard to IBM's first cloud multi-zone region in Spain. Supported by a growing ecosystem of more than 100 technology partners and fintechs, IBM Cloud for Financial Services aims to help financial institutions drive innovation while addressing risks throughout the supply chain. The new MZR is designed to help European clients deploy mission-critical workloads with high levels of security and address data sovereignty and regulatory compliance requirements. Howard Bovill is head of IBM Cloud Platform. Innovation has accelerated at an unparalleled rate as financial institutions like Caixa Bank leverage hybrid cloud and AI technology to better meet client demands. As banks across the world strive to balance innovation with security and compliance, IBM Cloud for Financial Services uses built-in controls to help them protect data in the cloud. To learn more about IBM and the global banking industry, visit www.ibm.com forward slash banking. Washington, D.C. continues its deadlock on the death ceiling. Tim Berg from the Phoenix USA Radio News Bureau explains. A standoff on Capitol Hill over suspending the nation's debt limit continues. Senate Republicans blocked a measure from advancing that would suspend the limit and keep the government funded to avoid a partial shutdown. Critics of the GOP point out that Congress repeatedly raised a dead ceiling with bipartisan support. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell explains why this situation is different. The death ceiling that was raised before on a bipartisan basis, according to CBO, covers the debt through August. So the death ceiling they're going to have to raise on their own is about the future. The Kentucky Republican speaking on Capitol Hill. NASA's Lucy asteroid probe is set to begin its 12-year space journey on 16 October. Officials say the probe will travel further from the sun than any other solar-powered spacecraft in history. USA Radio News. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay Neural with me. We're talking about her copywriting business. Content is king in the modern era. Wow, it's not stopping anytime soon. So you guys write content uh, for folks, and you kind of mentioned that you could write day and night and never be done, Lindsay. Yeah. No, it's growing, growing, growing. And, uh, you know, as people have to be competitive and try to reach that top page of Google and and change to be accessible, um, there's just so many demands on companies to have their content meet standards, and so that kind of keeps us in business. 
All right, what sort of writing projects will Lindsay do? She says, I've enjoyed creating just about anything that falls into the categories of online written content. Wow. Branded content, social content, blog posts, the list goes on and on. You say your most popular is pieces written on your outline. So basically uh, articles or proper web formatting with CEO practices. I mean, it gets kind of technical. I'm an IT guy for a living, so (laughs) this stuff's easy for me, but most folks are just going, what? Bottom line is she can help your business grow by providing content uh, for your website, your social media ventures, your um, et cetera. We're talking about white papers. Um, We're talking about articles. What am I leaving out, Lindsay? Um, I I, I love doing profiles. So um, a leader will come to me and say, I need a profile for, you know, that kind of highlights my experience. I love sitting down and talking with CEOs and founders and startup um, disruptors and kind of getting their story. I love the story. So, All right, there you have it. She created sponsor articles for some of the top daily newspapers. What about books? Do you help people write books? Um, I help people with their proposals. So if they have an idea for a book, um, that's something I've worked on. I don't I don't edit, though. I do love to let my editor do the final pass. <laughs> All right, so you're a writer, not an editor is the point. Yeah, I have a team that helps me get second eyes on everything, um, and that's kind of how we everyone keeps their competencies and nice flow, and, you know, you learn to major in the majors and minor in the minors. Amen. All right, Lindsay, where do people go to learn more about your business if they have a need for some of your services? Um, just lindsaynerl.com. All right, just her name, ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay Neural, and Neural starts with a K, right? Yes, sir. All right, just want to make sure people got it. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for your time. Please keep in touch, and great work on your book. Thank you so much for having me. You betcha. There she goes, ladies and gentlemen, doing a great job. Her and her husband, entrepreneurs together, six children, homeschooling business owners. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. What a rewarding family opportunity they've got going. What an example to the rest of us. She says, by the way, you won't see my name on everything I do. In fact, my favorite pieces take on your voice, your personality. I just provide the words, she says. So there you have it. She's involved in journals and newsletters across industries. Anyway, there you have it. Pretty cool. Pretty neat stuff. The bottom line, though, is she's busy. So you got to jump in. She says rates are quoted per project. I don't offer word or per hour rates at this time, so she just basically bids every project. And she says, my written content contracts usually have some kind of promotional support, social media interactions or involvement. She says, the details are created uniquely for each client. Anyway, there you have it. Pretty cool. Her phone number's on her website and everything else, lindsayneural.com. Well, I like that. That's all right, man. Anyway, pretty pretty neat stuff. And you look at that and you say, man, you know what? You might start your own business, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you might not do exactly what Lindsay's doing. You might have your own talent set. Remember, it isn't about what you do, right? You might not be a talk show host like me. Um, you might be more like Lindsay, a writer. Or you might say, you know what? I produce these awesome whatever they are. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woodworker, and I produce awesome, uh, you know, nightstands or whatever you produce, tables. or uh, Anyway, everybody's got their own unique skill set. Bring that to the table is the point. That's why I wanted to kind of spend a little bit more time 
uh, on Lindsay's personal business in addition to the reason that we found her was about her homeschooling. I mean, I'm an avid supporter of homeschooling for sure. Uh, but then when I saw some of the other things that she does, I'm just kind of like, man, this is awesome. So anyway, check it out, homeschoolhacksbook.com or lindsayneural.com. Great, great stuff. All right, the headline says that's just insane. Tucker Carlson resents ADL or the American Defamation League. Response to... Um, this idea, replacement theory, I think is how you call it. Uh, replacement theory remarks. So here's what happened. Um, Tucker Carlson has the guts to take on things that, well, usually people like me that are not mainstream talk show hosts, we'll take it on no problem because that's who we are. We don't have a boss, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself. I own my own radio network. I own my own talk show. Uh, you know, as long as I don't cross legal barriers or any of those issues, I can say whatever the heck I want. You're not going to take me off the air because you don't like what I say. That's the way it is when you're an entrepreneur, right? That's the way it is when you own your own business. Hey, I'm my own boss and I'm not getting fired today. Thank you. Right. But I bring this up because Tucker Carlson has the guts and I don't know who's allowing him to do this, but not only does he have the guts, but so far he's got the backing of his network, which is quite shocking uh, in my opinion to bring up some of these really, really uh, critical topics, okay? So that's just insane. Tucker Carlson resents ADL, the Anti-Defamation League's response to his replacement theory remarks. Now, the Anti-Defamation League is once again calling for the ouster of Tucker Carlson following the host's recent comments on the, quote, great, Replacement theory. Do you know what that is? Do you know what the great replacement theory is, ladies and gentlemen? This is something really to understand. The Anti-Defamation League is once again calling for Carlson to be gone. They say he's involved in anti-Semitism and hate because of his comments. Um... They say it cannot be overstated enough. The ADL, or Anti-Defamation League's CEO, Jonathan Greenblatt, is that how you say it? Tweeted on Friday. Yeah, they say he's using his platform as a megaphone to spread the toxic and xenophobic great replacement theory it's repugnant and a dangerous use of power. It's racist. It's xenophobic at its roots. And um, anyway, it's been the inspiration for multiple shootings and mass attacks, they say. Okay. In a video posted to Fox News' YouTube account, um, I guess on Wednesday, Carlson says President Joe Biden aligned himself with sentiments of the, quote, great replacement theory, which Carlson explained what it is and how it works. And that's why I didn't answer what it is before, as Carlson explains it. All right. Let me kind of explain it, ladies and gentlemen. The greater replacement theory kind of says this. 
we don't like white America. We don't like citizens of America. They say they're doing the great replacement theory. It's in fact not a theory at all, Carlson went on. It's something that the Democrats literally brag about constantly. Okay, so he's saying, look, first of all, you need to understand on the great replacement theory, it's not a theory. The Democrats are doing this. They're bragging about it. It's really happening. You say, what, what, what's really happening, Sam? Well, there's great replacement theory, which is this. White Americans are bad. Christians are bad. Citizens of America are bad. And we are going to slowly but surely replace them, shut them down, and make them irrelevant. We're going to do that by illegal immigration. We're going to do that by promoting black and certain people to certain positions of power and authority. And we're eventually going to shut out the white Christian. We're going to replace them and shut them down. And whenever you bring this up, they say that you're racist because you got the Jewish discussion going on or the black-white discussion going on. And they turn it into a racial debate. And here's the problem. They promote this, quote, replacement theory. Okay? But when Carlson brings it up, they say he's the racist. So you're not allowed to bring this up or you're a racist. They claim that it's not happening, that it's not a theory, that it's not real, that it's not really going on. Tucker says, yes, it is. They brag about it all the time, and he brings it up. The Anti-Defamation League protecting the Jewish organizations are really involved in this. Now, let me step back for a minute, because I don't want you guys to believe that I'm a white supremacist or I'm against the Jews or I'm all these different things. None of those things are the truth. Okay? So let's set aside the racially charged belligerence of this discussion, and let's get to brass tacks, shall we? I am Sam Bushman. I'm willing to take on the hard topics. Can you listen long enough to give me a chance to make my point? I pray the answer is yes on your radio. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems, at all times and in all places, is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? 
please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Right back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So we're talking about this Tucker Carlson fiasco where he's having a battle with the American Defamation League. Or I'm sorry, the Anti-Defamation League. <laughs> One of the same, it sadly seems like, in America today. But they're talking about the Great Replacement Theory. What is that? We'll get rid of all white American citizen Christians with other people. Replace them, right? Uh, and whether you think about La Raza, the Mexicans saying, hey, everybody's going to come north of the border and take over the country that we stole from them. Uh, whether it's, um, you know what, we believe that the great white is the enemy and we've got to replace it and force everybody to be of mixed race and or other races. The debate becomes very, very politically charged. Why? Because it doesn't matter when you bring it up. They say you're a racist, you're a hater, you're a bigot, you're anti-Jew, you're anti-this, you're anti-that. I want to stop all that. I want to take all the race out of the discussion, okay? I don't want to talk about Jews. I don't want to talk about blacks and whites. I don't want to talk about any of the divisions, and I don't want to talk about any of the hate, and I don't want to talk about any of the dishonesty relating to this discussion. Here's the reality that I want to focus on. Is there a theory called the Great Replacement Theory? All right? Is there one? The answer is yes. There is the great replacement theory, okay? So let's not debate whether it exists or whether you agree with it or not. Let's just acknowledge that it does exist and it is a viewpoint that's out there. Okay, they say the racist great replacement conspiracy theory is, ladies and gentlemen, the great replacement is real. Okay, so the bottom line is they want you to believe that it doesn't even exist. But ladies and gentlemen, let's be honest. When you have a situation in America where you are bringing in illegal aliens to the tunes of thousands, thousands every year, some say tens of thousands, some say even millions. And when you have in the United States right now, what? How many thousand, how many million illegals from different nations? All right, when you have that being promoted and pressed to the degree that it is, and you have it affecting our voter registration records, and when you have the former president of the United States, Barack Obama, saying, if you vote, you are a citizen. So there's no, you got to be a citizen to vote. His point is, if you vote, you're then a citizen. You're affecting the outcomes. All right. It's not debatable if we're talking about a replacement, the great replacement. It's not a theory. It's a reality. When La Raza from the Mexican groups literally put their flag above the United States flag 
and literally say in the La Raza agenda, hey, we believe the United States has stole Mexican land and we intend to get it back. Right? We're not talking about a theory anymore. We're talking about a belief of some. Right? Okay? So you got to look at this and go, it's not a debate on whether it exists or not. Some people believe in this viewpoint. And the problem is when those of us who say we don't want this great replacement happening and that it is happening, then they say you're involved in a conspiracy. So now not only do I want to take race out of the discussion, I want to take conspiracy out of the discussion. The fact is some people believe that you got to replace the white Christian primarily male or family, all right, with others, all right? Now, I bring this up because I don't want to debate if it exists or not. I don't want to debate if Tucker Carlson's a racist or not. I don't want to debate whether the Democrats say that it doesn't exist or not or whatever. I just merely want to say this. When we have illegal immigration, to the tune of literally, what, 15,000-plus Haitian immigrants were primarily released in the United States. One out of five has a serious illness. It isn't a theory anymore, folks. It isn't a racist discussion anymore, folks. We are all God's children, and we need to behave like it. But it is a matter of the rule of law, and it is a matter of safety for the American citizen. And whether they're replacing us for this reason or that reason or whatever else is the debate, for sure. But what I want to say about it is this. Can we take out all the politically charged positions? So blacks hate whites, whites hate blacks, everybody hates the Jews. Lies. And can we have an honest discussion? And what can we uh, do to have an open, honest discussion about this, okay? And what I mean by that is don't wrap it up into one theory about great replacement theory because now we're talking about all kinds of nebulous terms, conspiracy, theory. Well, that means it's not really a fact. It's just a viewpoint. Uh, is it really existing? Does it exist? We're not even in the realm of a real brass tacks discussion at that point. What we're into is politically charged, never agreeing on anything, divisive, hate-filled vitriol. And what I want to do is talk about each element of this. Do we have illegal immigration going on that over time will change America? The answer is clearly yes. Can we accept no borders in America? No. Even Barack Obama is now saying we've got to change our immigration policies. The border is becoming a crisis. Even Barack Obama is blatantly admitting this right now. Okay, so if me and Barack Obama say we got a big problem right now, I don't agree with Barack on anything. He's black, I'm white, there's so many divisions there, it's not even funny. But we agree that some things have to change. So why don't we break down the components of this and discuss each one on its own merits. When they talk about, hey, if police quit, we'll replace the police officers uh, with non-citizen immigrants. Uh, if the healthcare workers bail from their jobs because they don't want to get vaccinated. Don't worry. We can hire people from outside the country. Let's talk about each of those questions one at a time. 
right? Think about that for a minute. Can we discuss each individual issue, the illegality of immigration? Can we then shut the illegal door big time and stop our borders from being abused, but increase people who are immigrants who would like a better life to come to America? Sure we can. There's ways to do that. Is there ways to take race out of this politically charged discussion? Absolutely. Are there ways to single out each issue one at a time and deal with them? Absolutely. And that's what I think we really need to focus on. And that's why I'm bringing this up. Okay, this is not about how to just have these nebulous terms that nobody can understand, but yet everybody takes hardcore, unrelenting, divisive positions on. We need to really double down, okay? So you know what? I appreciate Tucker Carlson for bringing it up. All right? Tucker Carlson resents ADL's comments on his replacement theory remarks. All right? Um, but I appreciate Tucker for bringing it up because I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. I don't want to get into these nebulous arguments. I want to discuss each issue one at a time. So if we talk about the great replacement quote theory or the great replacement, which piece of it do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about illegal immigration? Do you want to talk about the hate-filled viewpoints of some, whether they be promoting of illegal immigration or promoting of, of uh, the replacement or anti the replacement? See, the politically charged part is you're not even allowed to even bring it up that it even exists or you're hated and ridiculed and mocked. Why are they attacking Tucker for bringing it up? Why would the Anti-Defamation League be so critical of this? Can't we talk about it without calling Tucker a white supremacist? Can't we talk about illegal immigration? Can't we talk about replacement? See, I personally believe that every race... Right, Every ethnicity, every race, whatever terms you want to use, right, should want to bring children to the earth. That's God's plan, right? Multiply and replenish the earth, God said. He didn't say, if you're a non-Jew. He didn't say, if you're black and not white, or if you're white and not black. He didn't do any of those things. God Almighty said to his children, and that's all ethnicities, all races, he said, listen, Multiply and replenish the earth. And in other portions of the Bible, he says there's plenty and room to spare. So God's plan is to people the earth. God's plan is the family. Why don't we focus on those ideas to say, how can we create a better life for all the peoples of the world, whether they're part of the United States or not, whether they want to come to the United States or not, How can we support every ethnicity, every race in saying you have a godly heritage? You're a child of God. Your father in heaven loves you. The Bible says we are the offspring of God. So we are his children. Can't we just set aside racial divisions? Can't we set aside replacement theory divisions? Can't we set aside conspiracy divisions and theory divisions? And can't we just say, let's deal with the issues. Look, would love people to come to America, but we've got to make sure the right people come that truly are willing to obey our laws, willing to embrace our society and our culture, willing to uh, understand the great genius of the checks and balances based on the proper role of government. And we need to welcome those people. We need to stop the criminals. 
We need to stop those who would like to exploit our system. Can't we set aside all these politically charged divisions and work towards a goal to improve life for everybody? I want to make America great again. I want to put America first. But I also want to help Mexico be great. And I want Mexico for the Mexicans to be first. And I want, okay, across the world, I want to improve life and improve society and improve safety and security and health and prosperity for all the peoples of the world. All religions. Yeah. All ethnicities. Yeah. All male and female, whether you agree or disagree, whether I agree or disagree with your positions on topics, I hope we can somehow improve your life. I somehow hope we can protect you and make your prosperity and your safety and your stability better. I want to do that for everybody, whether it's re- Republicans or Democrats, whether it's conservatives or liberals, whether whatever divide point they want to find, I hope we can erase those divisions. And so I'm sad that they attacked Tucker Carlson. I may or may not agree with Tucker's views, but I appreciate him bringing up the discussion, and I would like to jettison the nebulous, confusing positions people take and i would like to replace it with real meaningful discussions with an eye on solutions is that crazy does that make me a racist does that make me a xenophobe a homophobe a hate-filled angry white male american or does that make me a follower of jesus christ the prince of peace i pray the latter thanks for being with me hopefully it was educational i don't know that this topic is entertaining but hopefully We can really make a difference in the public arena to bring all of us together in meaningful, solution-oriented ways. I am Sam Bushman. My website's libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net. I declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.